I'm Colin Detmar. And I'm Yolanda Isco. And what podcast is this, Johnny? Uh, this is Fulcro, I think. Do you want to start again, or do we keep rolling? I think we keep this. <laughs> of course we do. And uh, joining us is a special guest today, uh, Emily, a newer Dota player with uh, some more insight into the world of sports than we have. First take, best take. <sighs> yes. That's, yep. that's that, what that, they say when that, they're trying what's... to get away with not doing another take. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... No, I actually think we have to start over. I have no. Seriously, seriously, we we keep going. Colin, what what why why have you written Citizen Kane in our podcast notes? But see, this is why we have to start over. You didn't even hear our intro. Like genuinely, I'm going to start over again. Okay. <laughs> no. Why? It'll only take a minute. This is good. Totally great. This is this, this it, is it, good. This is quality podcasting. <laughs> this is high quality. It's May eighteenth, twenty fifteen, and Cloud Nine is the Citizen Kane of esports. I'm Colin Detmar. And I'm Jan Niska. And this is Bullcrow, and I actually got the name right this time. He did. And we are joined this week by special guest Emily, a newer Dota player and sports enthusiast. Howdy. Oh, it's been a... It's been a fun weekend with a... Well, I guess it's a little past the weekend now, but with the Summit 3 coming to a close and, you know, a bunch of... Some good games, some bad games. Um... But I feel like the summit wasn't as strong this year as it usually is. No. No, I d- don't think it was. Why do you think that was? I mean... Honestly, like, beyond everything else, I I, I mean, we had a new big patch just now that's always shaking things up and that makes most teams a bit shaky at the start. But mostly, I think, just production side of things on the summit really sucked this year. Yeah. I mean, there was, you know, there's a lot of, like, just basic clumsiness. Like, stuff not starting on time and a bunch of, like, they would go to their, like, they had replay this year, and it was really great, because they would go to a replay right as a team fight started. Uh It's like, we want to see the fight. We don't want to watch a replay of Invoker dropping a bottle or whatever. We don't care. Um... It seemed like they were they were trying to grow the production, but they weren't really ready for what came with it. But um, the main thing that people got upset over, I feel like, is the advertising. And there was a lot of it, and I am mostly okay with that. I mean, you got to pay the bills somehow. Mm-hmm. But there was advertising for betting on Dota. Gross. Which is bad. Yeah, I am. I'm not a fan of that. I mean, I, I, mean, I think it's. I think it's bad in anything, any any sport, mm-hmm. where you are saying like, and also here you can go bet on this sport. I think that's probably not a good thing for that sport, but especially in Dota, where we've had problems with you know, distributed denial of service attacks, 
specifically because of betting. People bet on Cloud9 versus Navi. They're like, I'm betting all my rares on Cloud9, and then Navi starts to win, and they do a DDoS attack on Navi to try and make them lose the game. This happens. Yeah, more than once... More, more than once has this happened, and it's it's kind of pathetic, and it's one of those issues that esports in general needs to learn how to deal with, and betting is part of that problem. But like, there are so many more good reasons. That's just an additional reason. Let let's be clear, betting is fucking awful, and like when you when you promote it like this, the, the people it is going to hit the most is the people who can't afford such a habit. Oh, sure. Yeah. And it's it's just... Do we want to be... I can't believe I'm about to say this. Do we want the Dota community to be a community that like is abusive in such a way that it preys on those who don't have the money? Well, it's- and it's... It's easy to say, like, oh, it's just rares. You know, it's just a bunch of in-game items. That doesn't make a big difference. But I mean, like, I think probably anybody listening to this podcast immediately knows hearing that, like, no, some of these items can cost as much as a couple hundred dollars. Like, this is worth real money. And there are, in fact, like, people who make their living off of trading in the Dota economy, believe it or not. So it Uh is actually not a small thing. And even if, like, okay, all the ones that they actually advertise for are that. But there are people who bet real money on this, and, like, it, it's all, to to a, to a gambling addict, it's all the same thing. Yeah. Well, and it seems to fit in with, I mean, some of the things you were talking about last time with the compendiums, the way Valve is more and more like, no, no, keep putting it in, and maybe the, the slot machine is going to pay off for you. Great, maybe you'll get a pet, you know? I mean, yeah. I didn't see a lot of the Summit 3, I watched a few games. I was mostly disappointed with the commentary when they were not in the match. Um, but yeah, it's feeding off the same unpleasant part of human nature. I do want to take a quick moment. Um, last week we ended by being the bummer train on Valve and Steam and Compendiums and all the money therein. And I don't, I don't disagree with anything we said then. But it is worth saying that we we kind of we brushed over some of the nicer points, and it's worth saying like people are caught up in the Steam ecosystem, and people will like not buy games that aren't on Steam. And I want to make it clear that we're not saying like, and therefore you suck. Like I've done it. You've done it. Me and Johnny have done it for sure. Steam is a great service, and it's not just about like, well, I have this, and so of course I want stuff on here. It's also because, like, it's a centralized library, It's you've got a pretty decent chance of it working, because though they don't vet it as well as they should, they do generally vet their stuff to run. You have a good patch delivery service, you have, like, the inherent social nature of, like, I saw Johnny playing a game the other day I hadn't seen much of, and I messaged him, and I was like, hey, how is that? And you just don't get that if you just boot it off of an EXE off your hard drive. Like, Steam has done some great things for this for the gaming community. Steam has just, done yeah. a lot of fantastic things for PC gaming. I am going to continue to be ruthless in criticizing the parts where Valve fuck up. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to make it clear that we don't think it's just a universal incarnation of the devil. Well, and clearly we so. all use Steam, or we wouldn't be talking about Dota. So, yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah. <sighs> but, like, so, Valve has actually, like, 
for the problems that have come up lately, Valve has also also come up with some solutions I hadn't expected, like the Dota Majors. So do you do you think there's a chance that Valve would come up with a solution to this betting situation? Do you even think that's very possible? As long as the trading and the market as it exists continues to exist, I can't imagine a way to solve it, really. No. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too, but you know, surround yourself with smart people, so I was hoping you had something I didn't. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you can do things to mitigate it, but that doesn't... I mean, first of all, I hope that Valve will never pro- propose gambling in their own tournaments. Yeah. I hope I hope that Valve will... Hold on. I hope that Valve will continue to... Uh, to not do that. I hope that they will... Uh, try to... Tell other tournament holders to not do that. But I doubt they will. Like I, I would like them to see them get involved like that. But, I mean, it's Valve. They, they're, they're, they're pretty hands-off most of the time. So, yeah. like, I, I can't imagine anything they'd actually do that would fix it. Or I mean, even help much. Maybe the best they could do is just to express disapproval to the point where it would look bad for other tournaments to get that heavily behind it. That's the best thing I yeah. can think of. Because cer- certainly, like, the Summit 3, when this stuff came up, their public response was releasing a video that... Emily, I know you've seen Wayne's World. Yeah. Um... There is that scene where they are like at the buffet, ta- like at the buffet table, and Benjamin comes up comes up to them and ta- is trying to talk about advertising with them. Mm-hmm. Basically, they did a parody of that where they're like, "Oh man, you guys have got to advertise," and they're like, "No way, man!" While wearing all this, you know, advertising stuff, and it's almost line for line the same scene. Lame. And th- and that was their like that was their only public response to people being like hey, there's advertising everywhere, and also you did a 30-minute infomercial for betting. <laughs> like... 30 minutes? Holy shit. Yes, it was... I mean, you know, they had downtime in between games. So <laughs> Certainly they, they didn't handle that downtime very well at any point that I saw. No! <laughs> so bad. No, it was just, like... At one point, I saw a guy walk out in, like, a, a t-shirt covered in sweat and, like, shorts that looked kind of like underwear and make a sandwich while they had a camera pointed pointed at the kitchen. <laughs> everyone was in the house everyone was living in and it's like, um what are you guys doing? <laughs> We're professionals. Uh, on, the, on the other hand, at one point Sir Action Slacks carrying a hammer and wearing a backpack and riding on the back of someone in a dinosaur costume raced into a room, grabbed a laptop and raced off yelling, beware the clouds. So that was alright. <laughs> I mean, there there are aspects of what they do that all are, are all right, but in general, I was extremely disappointed, and I didn't even catch that gambling stuff as it was happening. I only catch caught the aftermath of it. Mm-hmm. It's just like when you have things like three or four casters in a game talking over each other and like arguing about game mechanics while fights are happening. When you have just when you when you're consistently like late on games and the only time you're not late to start a game is the time where you're 40 minutes early 
Yeah. Well, and, and two. I'll... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, when you have three or four casters and one of them is maybe a player from a bad team who doesn't have anything to say, maybe you don't need three or four people, especially in that situation. And even when it's even when it's good players, like a couple of things, like one, good players don't always make good commenters. And two, like I saw a game where they had Chuan commenting and Chuan is a smart player and he had smart things to say, but he speaks Chinese. Uh. <laughs> they had to have a they had to have a translator there. And even with the translator, I think it was LD. Maybe it was Cinder and I don't I, I couldn't tell because, you know, I couldn't see their I don't know their voices that well. Um, but kept asking questions like, oh, how do you say this hero's name in Chinese? Asked that like 17 times in the match. It's just like, for God's sake, explore your curiosity on your own time. <laughs> or in between like, matches when you have nothing to say. Yeah, yeah, in between matches, there's so much downtime here. It's just... I don't know, like, I don't think... <laughs> I don't think I saw a single match where I thought that the commentary was on point this mm. time, and it's just that that's kind of a shame. Yeah, like, I, I saw don't, I some. Don't know I saw to... some stuff. There, I saw a match where Kuroki was commenting, and he did an amazing job. Mm. And then I saw uh, a match where EE was commenting, and he was just delightfully blunt. It was amazing. I I am sad I missed that. I, I mean. Insofar as the Beyond the Summit House is like the real world, EE is the guy who comes and says he's not here to make friends. Right, but he's also not, like, he's also, he seems so lacking in arrogance or hubris. Like, I mean, there's the, I think there's the quote I shared with you, Emily, where he's talking with, I think it was Fata, I don't remember. No, it was, it was Big Daddy. He says, like, oh my god, why would you ban Puppies Enchantress? And uh, Big Daddy says, I mean, we did that, and he says, yeah, but we're idiots. <laughs> it's like, wow, all right. I, I, huh? Eternal Envy is... He's a bit of a monster, but he's kind of great at the same time. He's under no illusions about what he is, and that's kind of amazing. That's yeah. something. I, I can appreciate that. I mean, I as much as... <laughs> I don't know. Like... The, the point of Beyond the Summit, like as they say, it is to be have a beyond this behind the scenes sort of look at the Dota scene and how to- tournaments are run. But that's not how most tournaments are run. Yeah. Like that. This is your own little fun house, and it, that's. Uh, I think there's a way to make that work, but seriously, you need to be more on point, and that, that this is something that. It's a problem with nearly every major Dota tournament. Like, I haven't seen a Dota tournament where it's not like, oh, when is the match starting? Nobody fucking knows. Yeah. It's just, I, I can't believe that you would start a match 40 minutes early. That's the that's the, the one that keeps, keeps just coming back to me. When I'm like, oh... Uh, I have finished watching this TV show, and it, the match is supposed to start in like two minutes. Let's tune in, and it's already thirty-five minutes into the game. Because yeah. what? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, this just unprofessional. Can, yeah, like buses can be late, flights can be late, TV shows and radio programs can be late, but you cannot be early because that is completely in your control, and you are screwing people. Yeah. The, the, 
That's just like, oh, fuck it. We don't feel like waiting. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on to a topic that we actually forgot last week. Uh, so we were supposed to do our, our, our regular lore segment, and we forgot last week because we were too busy talking about how everything is terrible forever. Um, Which we have done so far this episode as well, so go us. <laughs> yeah, well, it's only going to get brighter from here. Well, okay, actually, uh, up, actually up we, have a little. Some, <laughs> we have some positive lore this week. We're going to talk about Davian the Dragon Knight. So Dragon Knight's lore basically was that he was a, uh, a dragon slayer, and he had a long rivalry with the dreaded dragon Slyrak. Um, he'd been chasing this dragon for years. Question. And had, yes. Is Slyrak Sly? He does seem to be, if you will let me Sorry, keep going. Sorry, I apologize. I was <laughs> caught up in the moment. So after years, he finally catches up with the legendary Slyrak in his, in his you know, lair. And Slyrak is, like, old and dying. Like, his his scales are falling off, his fangs are nothing anymore. He's just, you know, dying of old age. And Davian's like, well, shit, I'm fucking leaving. This is not, you know, I came here for a glorious battle, and this is just kind of sad. So he's about to leave, and Slyrak sort, of, Slyrak sort of reaches out to him and is like, no, please, come on, give me this one last honor. And so Davian's like, okay, fine. He turns, and he stabs the dragon in the heart. And as he does, Slyrak stabs him through the throat with his claw. And basically pours his soul into him. So, obviously, this part is not, like, that's fairly typical, like, not that incredible so far. And, in fact, Dragon Knight's lore, I think, is interesting just that it's it's just very solid. Because, so he gains the powers of a dragon, but it is called out constantly in both, like, ability text and, like, responses to Dragon Knight and from Dragon Knight that you're not sure if it is a, now a knight with dragon powers or a dragon who has taken over a knight's body. It is or a dragon with knight powers. I'm rooting powers. for the second one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a good response, actually, with Winter Wyvern, who, when she kills uh, Dragon Knight, she says, I knew Slyrak. You are no Slyrak. Call out to the you're no Jack Kennedy line. Um, but we actually have another hero who we might need to talk about lore for, because our Agonims of the Week we also forgot, and we're doing Legion Commander this week. Oh no. Now, I will go ahead and let Johnny go first. Well, um, I will tell you that I don't have any. Good, co- good conversation. Yeah, I actually suspected this was the case, so I thought I would get it out of the way. <laughs> uh, it's Emily... It- Oh, sorry. Johnny, if you have something more to say, please. <laughs> My ideas the previous weeks have been so brilliant that I'm sure our listeners will be horrified to learn that they are not getting one this week. Uh, you always spark interesting conversation, John. Absolutely. Don't sell yourself short. Interesting conversation in the line of, oh my god, that is terrible. Why did you think that was a good idea? <laughs> oh, just wait till you hear mine, friend. Or mine. They're both <laughs> gross, be... I bet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's yours, Emily? So, mine shockingly affects Duel, um, and I guess I, you probably take for granted, but we're trying to replace the current eggs, because I think, it, I am certainly not impressed. It does not seem very interesting. Um, no. So what I would do, I still want to affect Duel, though. 
I would double its range and give her something like, I want to call it a pull, but like Pudge's hook, so that her target, she just yanks to her from a greater distance and starts the duel that way, which would make her, I think, kind of terrifying. Now, do you envision it like literally being like a hook where she pulls them through terrain or sort of more like a berserker's call where they are just like they lose control of their character and their character runs to the dual spot? I like seeing them physically drag to it just quickly through terrain, like just zip. Hmm. But I could be talked around. Maybe they could be carried there by a ghost. (laughs) I mean, ghosts are pretty great. Definitely not a skeleton, though. I know we're not allowed to have skeletons. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah not a super complicated idea but i think it uh it might make her duel enough more scary to make it worth losing an item slot to that i mean i certainly think it would make like defending towers when there's a legion attacking it would become terrifying yes because legion would wait for you to group up under the tower and then would just yank someone out can't hide in your fountain yes what have you got, Colin? Well, I'd like to hear what Johnny thinks of this idea. He's being awfully quiet other than his dying of coughing. Yeah. <laughs> I am just... I got water <laughs> in my throat. Oh, sorry, and man. Stuff. Yeah, that's a bummer. Okay, I think I'm, I'm not dead. So what do you think of Emily's idea, Johnny? I... I... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I... My thing is... How would she, like, would she, like, how how would this work, like, visually, is the question. It is a good question. Um, well, you could tap into her lore. God damn it, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us more about Uh, that lore. I think we need it for context. Well, you know, Legion Commander is thusly named because she's the former commander of a legion. She was a mem- she was one of the legion commanders of the town of Stonehall and Stonehall was attacked by the abyssal hordes and her and her legion were the only ones in position to defend it so her army went forth against the abyssal army and she challenged the abyssal leader to a duel she won her duel but when the duel was over she looked around and all her soldiers were dead so they kind of lost that battle Stonehall is no more but she per- perseveres and perhaps the spirits of her fallen soldiers could grab someone and whisk them away? I don't know. Yeah, or if it is, I mean, if it is too much of a visual problem, having them just then haplessly run quickly to her, I would be okay with that. She should just throw a gauntlet at them, and then they get so insulted <laughs> and they get grabbed. that they run over. <laughs> well, I mean, it could be like, it could if you did that, I mean, this is kind of dumb, <laughs> but you could have the glove, like, destroy trees along the way <laughs> so that they ran through the hole made. Because <laughs> part of the problem, I think, with the, like, the big biggest problem with the running idea, it's just, like, if you duel with a patch of twe- trees in between you and your target, then they would run this huge loop around it, and in that time, they would get CC'd to hell and murdered. Which is maybe a little too good. Yeah, maybe. CC'd to hell and murder. To hell and back, and back to hell and back. Exactly. <sighs> well, I think you could come up is... with a visual effect for it, though. Whether it's a gauntlet or even like the the golden ring that surrounds her, maybe just a golden rope that pulls them in. I think you could come up with something to ruin their lives. Mm-hmm. I have faith. Well, 
since we brought up ghosts. <laughs> oh no. My acronym's idea. Oh no. <laughs> so you remember me talking about her fallen legionaries? My idea gives her a new ability that is both an active and a passive. Well, I guess it's actually just an active. Anyway, I will get into actually describing it. I call it tip the scales because I think it's thematically appropriate. But essentially, it summons ten ghost legionaries under her command, her former soldiers, who will fight for her. Um, they give a small bounty when killed, but they will also time out eventually. Um, they are not much. They are about as strong, I would think, as super creeps. Uh, she can micro them, of course. And when they attack an enemy, they apply a passive debuff that reduces the healing they take, both health regeneration and instant healing. Now that that far is not that interesting, it does make give her a little more push potential, but the really interesting thing is what happens if you kill them. See, Legion Commander is the kind of hero who fights against the odds, and when, a t when you know the situation is against her, she only fights harder. So for every Ghost Legionary that the enemy team kills, she gets a temporary buff to both health regeneration and spell resistance, and these stack. So when she summons them and she is pushing your buildings, you have to choose between taking care of her or taking care of her Legionaries and making her stronger or just avoiding the fucking situation. So you were like, you know what's not disgusting enough? Tombstone. I was rather like that. However, there are some noticeable differences. One, they obviously don't spawn endlessly. Two, they do give a bounty. Three, you can AoE them down. You don't just have to hit them with normal attacks. Man, that fucking change still makes me mad. <laughs> yeah, this is. I think this is rather more like Treants. Except for, of course, the healing debuff part. Hmm. And that's mostly like the healing debuff is... I'm. I'm negotiable on that one. My thinking was that they should have some kind of ability that makes you compelled to take care of them so that there is that choice. Because if they, did, if they were just super creeps, then you would just ignore them and they would expire and that would be that. Hmm. You'd be like, okay, well, she summoned those things, so we just got to leave her alone for a little while and then we'll kill her. I want to make it dangerous to leave her alone with those up. It would be great to see Legion Commander running with a horde of ghost soldiers. She's a commander. She should have her legion. I don't disagree. That's, that's, that's yeah. I, yeah. I won't I'm... give her a thousand, because obviously that's a real legion, but... Well, Dota is such a realistic game. How ca can you even <laughs> consider not giving her, her a thousand? We could just make each unit ten soldiers standing on each other's shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, what do you think, Johnny? I've think that's a neat idea like mainly like I, I like it thematically i like it in terms of like visually how that would look i think that's really cool mm -hmm. i i i cannot say if i know that it would fit at all like with her like with her playstyle but mm -hmm. that that's a harder question of course well, I mean, I guess there are two responses to that. One is that with Alchemist it's uh, and his agonims, I feel like it becomes more acceptable to have agonims that you won't that aren't as desirable. Like it's still not great, but it's kind of like, well, if you've got an Alchemist, you'll get it anyway. So it's not like it will see no use. And also, 
her current agonyms is so bad that this is definitely better than that. Don't disagree. Yeah. I think your current one, like... I don't know, that's a neat idea, but it just doesn't really work. I think it's the most boring idea. I think it's terrible. Like, I mean, I, like not like terribly bad, though it's not very useful, um, but just like the most unimaginative. I don't know, the most unimaginative might be the 1v1 exclusive idea that I keep seeing floating around. The only way I would ever like that is if there was actually like a sound effect of her saying 1v1 me bro, <laughs> and then like just for the rest of the game, if you lose that, she just keeps bitching. <laughs> Uh, I think they should make it so that if anyone interferes, both uh, both of the people dueling turn around and smack the people interfering on that. No, how about if anyone interferes, then they both switch their target to that person until they are dead, and then the duel resumes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's make Dota the dumbest game possible. There you go, Johnny. There's your idea. <laughs> Perfect. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. That's, we put forward a couple of ideas, and we, we've set our thoughts on them. I guess we should get into the meat of this podcast, <sighs> which is Dota and sports. Now, Emily, <laughs> I understand that you think some of the things I said about the endgame and possibilities for the endgame were kind of dumb. I don't know that I would go that far on the record. I would say... Oh, come on. You gotta, you gotta be... You gotta have take the gloves off. This is podcasting. You gotta fuck somebody up. <laughs> well, I'm gonna pick up a chair and sort of brandish it at you and say, in sports and in esports, I don't like it when something happens at the end of the match that totally invalidates or almost totally invalidates what's come beforehand. It's true that I thought your idea of five one v one matches at the end was supremely terrible. I can say that, like the blind one v ones, because it. And was. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. That, that was not good. And the same in, I mean, I like hockey and baseball. Those are my favorite sports. And in baseball, you just keep going and going until the game is over. That's my preferred method. Um, but in hockey, the shootout, like when they made the change to the shootout, they used to allow tie games. When they made the change to the shootout, shootout such a bummer. It's like, oh, well, then a lucky shot. And, huh, well, I guess we're... I guess we're all going home. Like, it just, I don't know. I feel like it takes an overall match that's complicated and interesting and reduces it to a pretty boring interaction. I think the lucky shot thing is like, I used to watch hockey when I was into sports. I, I used to be into sports. I know it's it's horrible of me to admit. But, um, like, I think the whole lucky shot thing is a, thing in all of ice hockey really like you have so few goals that just one lucky shot can turn a match so well, that's incredibly true. well and a hot goalie can turn your whole season i mean we could do hockey chat for a while call it if you like uh, um, th this is like the end of what i what my opinions on hockey like uh, let's not go there <laughs> bummer. but i mean so and if it was like i have much less of a problem with overtime periods i mean it could or like a lucky hit in baseball but if it's You've got 20 minutes, you've got a 20-minute period, and then whatever happens within that. Whereas, like, oh, somebody did get a lucky shot, it's all over right now, we're just all dropping our sticks and going home. Like, I really prefer the, like, here's a chunk of time, and whatever happens in there, like, good luck, y'all. 
Um, I would be totally fine. I think I said in a in a player mail to you guys, I would be totally fine if Dota had tie games. I actually think it might be really funny occasionally uh, with some of the people I end up matched with if Dota had tie games. Um, but yeah, I really... They would, they would definitely lose their minds. Yes, it, that, yeah. Uh, I think at the at the end of the match, both uh, ancients should become units and just march towards the middle and fight. <laughs> and 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 then all the players should disappear, and you should be able to micro your ancient. Yes. See, this is the kind of idea that I. No, you can't of. micro your ancient, but <laughs> yeah. you're all turned into buildings that get kicked over by Gujira. Yeah. Good. What? Why? Uh, you well, took my completely serious and good idea, Colin, and ruined it. Yep, that's what happened. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what happened. So, I guess I'm okay with the idea of a tie, but mostly because of the way you framed it. Like, <laughs> mostly because EE would lose his mind, and because like, and there would be situations where Puppy would be like, Puppy would be like, "Yeah, no, I want the tie. I want to see how upset they get." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it like, could theoretically be a valuable psychological tool in a tournament. Like, we can get yeah. this game, it won't cost us anything, we can try some interesting stuff, and then just stall it out. Imagine, though, imagine how much havoc this would wreak on the scheduling of tournaments that is already completely fucked. I mean... I don't know, I mean... Deal- I'm I'm gonna just go, I'm deal with it. I mean, I agree. I, I think, I'm, I'm I think... mostly just... Imagining in horror. Well, and also the other thing you could do is you could do the double KO situation, right? Like, oh, it's a tie game. That's a win for both of them. And that would speed things along. That would make tie games really scary for a team that's down one. Mm-hmm. That would make winning the first game a huge advantage. Well, I know... I am maybe okay with When that. hockey had ties, when they're the way their system worked, you got... I'm gonna get this wrong. But you got, like, two points for winning a game and one point for tying a game. You could do something like that. Sure. Sure, and I, that I, would work for, like, a big league, but that's not really a thing that happens in Dota. No. I mean, I, I do think, like, you say, like, like, the person who's won the first game will have a big advantage. It's like, well, I think there should be some pressure on the other team to step the fuck up. Well, I mean, I, I think there already is some. I don't, I don't know if it's enough. Like, that that's something you can argue about. But I definitely think that's a thing that already exists. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, but if it, if it already exists, then what's the problem? You know, like, I mean, I've seen, like, I've certainly seen games where one team took, the, like, what was it I was watching from the Summit? I think it was uh, VG versus Secret. And uh, I guess spoilers, if you don't want the Summit results spoilered, um, but Vici took the first game, like, just fucking destroyed them. It was a stomp. And then Secret just came back and took the series, just, like, two games in a row. Just locked it out solidly. And, like, the way that first game ended, if I had been a player on Secret, I would have been like, we're fucking done, let's pack our bags. They, they devoured us. But part of what makes a, a good pro team is the ability to shake it off, to see what went wrong, and to just seriously be like, no, it's a new game, we're going to give it a new shot. And lacking that is a big problem for a lot yeah. of teams. Secret, of course, is one of the best teams there are, so... Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I don't think... I think the psychological aspect of the game should be... Like, shouldn't be given a short shrift. I don't feel like it's... 
So what, what, you're, the what you're saying, Colin, is that you want the game to be psychological terror. <laughs> what I'm saying is that I think there's room for, like... I think there's room to put pressure on teams in ways that we haven't before. I think there's room to make people think about, like, okay, every game is a fresh slate, right? You yeah. lose a game in a three-game series, game two is a fresh slate. That's how we think about Dota, but that's not true. It's a fresh slate in the fact that they don't start out with a golden experience lead, but if they played game one and their bounty hunter just fucking destroyed you, you're probably going to ban bounty hunter. And if you're not, you're going to be thinking about bounty hunter during that draft. The psychological aspects are significant and we don't pay enough attention to them. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But to, to get back to the type idea, like I, I would be all right with it depending on how you construct those rules. I think the thing you really want to avoid is like chess where you have a Situations where a player can purposefully create a tie very easily. Hmm. And will do that if the game is going badly. Yeah, that's a fair point, And I definitely can see the teams would try to do that. I mean, it would make good sense for teams to try to do that sometimes. So yeah, you might have to work out. I don't know, like, I can't even imagine. In tournaments, you would have to have different rules for ties than just in pub games. I... I... I imagine you would just have to make the requirements for it to go to tie kind of hard to get to. But where where that line lies, I don't really know. Well, and the other thing is, I don't think it's a problem if people are reaching for the tie, as long as they are, in a way, putting themselves at risk, right? Like, if you think about it like normal Dota strategy, like, there are times when people will, they have the lead, and they will play it super safe because they don't want to lose the lead, and that makes them lose the lead, you know? Mm. So I think it could totally be like that. It's like, oh no, we just want to drag it out to the tie. Don't do anything risky. Don't go too far outside the base. Don't, oh shit, they took Roshan. Oh shit, they teleported in and ganked our, oh fuck, everything's falling apart because we tried to play it too safe. Yeah, I think I think the way you do it is you, you set a time limit, and you make the time limit seriously kind of long. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe two hours long maybe that's too much but like over one and a half hour at least well this even... is an absolute like maximum cap like the game can't go over this length well and even past that i think it would help in tournaments to go to a point system instead of just win loss to say okay well there are six people in this category three of you with a top number of points will advance and then to try for ties would eventually hurt you. You're going to need to win some games. So mm. that makes sense. I think I think the problem with those sorts of systems is that they work better for like more long-term tournaments, not like the things you try to bash out in a, a couple of days at a LAN event. You are totally which right. Is a, which is a huge problem in the scene in general. I think the the, the way we have things structured is just. People get go to these events and then they just play Dota nonstop for like two to three days. Well, one of the things we do, like we um, we have the group stages of, of land tournaments, right? Yeah. And we take those results and we use them to seed, but after that we throw them out. Yeah. And I don't think like we should use them actively, but it's like okay, let's say we get in a situation where there's been like 
these two teams are going into this and they win one game each and then it looks like they're headed towards a tie. And you look at their group stage results and you're like, well, this team did better in the group stages. They've got more points. If they tie, this team will win. So turn it the fuck on, guys. Yeah, maybe to use it for tiebreaker. I don't know how much I like that. I One of the tie systems I like that's been in use for some versions of the Netrunner tournament uh, rule set. Uh, this is going on a tangent, but like... Uh, if you look at this player, has this player won or lost against this player earlier in in the, like, pool stages? Mm-hmm. And, like, use that as some sort of, sort of tiebreaker. Oh, so specifically the history between the two, not just yeah. the general history in the tournament. Okay, that seems like a, a better solution. Yeah. Of course, then you would have to, like, be able to reliably say that those teams have faced each other's, which would be hard in Dota. Yeah, it, it's a tough problem, but like, I I do think... Well, in the group stages, everyone plays everyone. That's how that works. It, depending on the tournament. I, I, I guess I'm, I'm overgeneralizing. That's true. Like the, I don't know how group stages generally work in Dota most of the time. I have seen so few of them. Mm-hmm. But I know it varies. Well, okay. So continuing our sports talk... Um, when me and Emily were talking before this podcast, uh, she mentioned something interesting that I hadn't thought about, which is the role of team managers in basically every sport but Dota. Okay. Well, and when I was learning about the Dota pro scene, uh, largely by talking to Colin, I would ask like, okay, but so managers are like, wait, he, he, he fired those people? Why isn't there a manager who... So, yeah, mostly for me, it was uh, marveling at what Dota team managers don't do. Like, do they have team managers? What are they? I don't understand. They just endorse checks? I, I, okay. I wish I am smart. I should have done more research. Um, my experience is that they talk general strategy with the team. They help with practice. They arrange a lot of things like food and lodgings. And that seems like basically it. Like, during the game, I don't even think they're... They might be allowed to help during drafting, but I don't think they're allowed to really do anything during the actual game. So, outside of the game, it really varies what they do. Some teams have a manager that actually has some form of responsibility in the form of, like, decision-making. But generally, like, the majority of the job is really, like, booking... Booking hotels, booking flights, bo- uh, like making sure that their team is uh, on the list for the the next big tournaments coming up and stuff like that. So more like the manager of a band than the manager of a sports team. Yeah, they do have some sports team like stuff, but like a lot of the time they're more the secretary than anything else. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean like Emily, please please feel free to jump in because you know this way better than I do. But like if you look at like baseball, <laughs> like. A manager can argue with the ref over a call and sometimes get it overturned. They can, like, call plays. They can call timeouts. They can switch out players. They have some power. Absolutely. I'm an Angels fan. And, like, several times a year, maybe more than that, the manager, Mike Sosha, is going to get thrown out of a game for arguing with the referees, for the umpires, too vigorously. It's actually part of the job to get in there and try to... On the other hand, that's something you don't need in Dota, since no one is making a call except, like, the computer, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and in the in the extraordinary circumstances when someone is found to be manipulating the rules somehow. Yeah. On yeah. a meta level or cheating or straight out. Sure, but, but I mean like but like timeouts, right? Like currently we have pauses in Dota and they only happen when there is a claim of a connection issue. Yeah. What if someone could be like we have we're allowed one 5 minute timeout in a game. We are taking our timeout right now. I like I think timeouts could be great in Dota if you manage to create a rule set for when they could be used that actually like works. Hmm. Right. We I mean we need like even if you only allowed one, we we are we can't allow like okay, here's our one tactical pause right as Enigma blinks in so that we can all blink out. Like that's not yeah, like honestly, I think even with even with the existence of lag, we have way too many tactical pauses going on right now. Mm-hmm. Like, also, I mean, just, if you... sorry, go ahead. Just like people going like maybe there is actually a lag issue, but even then, like you you don't pause just as the enemy initiates. That is just dirty. Mm-hmm. Well, and something you might be able to do is to give each team like a two minute timeout, but with a one minute like channeling time like okay you can announce in one minute from now or in two minutes from now we're taking our time out but it doesn't go into effect mm. immediately that's good yeah i think i think like even then that would just that would affect decision making is the thing like i don't know yeah. i think that's fine though like i mean it's not like don't, like, don't blink in and start a fight right as that one minute happens, but if it's like, we're gonna try Roche, we're gonna announce that we're taking our time out in a minute so we can do Roche. Like, people are gonna get suspicious of that. People are yeah, gonna be like, sure. oh, they're taking their time out, let's check key objectives, and one minute is enough time to fuck you up. Well, and the other thing is that in some ways you already have at least uh, period breaks, since if if it's a tournament where you play three games then you have breaks in between each game to discuss strategy and revamp. It's sort of like three periods of the same game equivalent in sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, I mean, in sports, like, there are absolutely tactical timeouts. Oh, yeah. Like, you, you well, see, like, and beyond that, there are TV timeouts, is... which Valve might yeah. love. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, like, football, like, they'll call timeout as, I mean, like, a I don't know the rules that well, but watching it, it's like they'll call timeout as a snap happens because like, oh shit, we don't want that play. Timeout. Can they just instantly call timeout in football? It seems yes. like it to me, but you are talking to the wrong guy. Yes, that just seems gross to me. Like to to, to me, like I am more or less an outsider in sports. I haven't followed sports for at least ten years. That seems really gross to me. It seems like you should be able to say, "We are taking the ti- a timeout at the next like natural break point." Well, it's a little bit like that. It... it is like the play ends and then you get your timeout. Yeah, out. like you can't call okay. timeout while a ball is in the air, and thus they can't catch it. That would not work. But also, I mean, with a lot of and the thing about adding it to Dota is a lot of sports have something that's just well, it's been there forever, so it's part of the game. Like that kind of tactical timeout is just evolved as part of the game. Or like in hockey, the punching people part. It is part of the game. It's tactical and interesting, <laughs> you know? Okay, okay, okay. New land idea. New tiebreaker. <laughs> Two teams, one room. If you want to stand up from your computer and go punch the other guy, that's fine. You cannot punch his computer. 
Because that's uncool. But if you want to break his nose, then go for it. How about... No. <laughs> You're just saying that because Chuan would win every game. <laughs> the gun looks tough. <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> I bet Puppy can take a punch. I bet Puppy can take a punch. I bet Arteezy crumbles like a pile of wet rags. <laughs> I bet Arteezy bites. <laughs> <laughs> he better. <laughs> Alright, this is probably enough slander for one night. Uh, no, 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 no. Let's keep going. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Colin, who could you take in a fight in the Dota 2 scene? I call Sumail. <laughs> I could take Owie because he would Whoa! keep... I could take Owie 2000 because he would just keep apologizing as I hit him. <laughs> He's too nice a guy. He does seem like a nice guy. <sighs> I just picked the literal child. That was my thinking. <laughs> it's a yes, sound strategy. Yes, you did. <laughs> oh, God. Yes, you did. Uh... All respect for his play, of course. I was just, uh, yeah. Well, Small speaking human. of players. So, every, okay, I don't know if every major sport, but most major sports have a players association. And this is not a concept in Dota. New. And it seems like it's a weird situation. I mean, because, you know, obviously a players association is essentially a players union. That is basically what it is. And it feels like a lot of the times those came about because the players were being exploited. Mm -hmm. And in Dota, it feels like it might not come about because the players have so much freedom that they're like, why would we chain ourselves down? Yeah. Well, and so slightly related, I'm going to work it in. One of the things I wish... I wish there was more team stability in Pro Dota. I wish there was more team identity. I mean, there are a few teams who totally have that. Navi, obviously. Like, they have player turnover, but everybody has a sense of what that team is like. Or Secret now. Or Cloud9. Like, they have built team identities, but most of the teams... Or, you know, like, people complaining about, like, inviting the winners from last year's TI. Like, but it's not the same dudes. It's like, well, yeah. And it's not like you have a strong sense of, like, well, Newbie is this kind of a team. So... I wish there was less player movement, but a player's association usually means more player movement because they have more ability. And of course, in Dota, as you say, they have incredible move- movement right now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And Valve is trying to lock that down a bit, at least, with the, these mayors' ideas. I feel like the thing that, like, I just feel like it's very short-sighted of the, of the players because it's like, okay, you look at, let's look at Black. Black is now playing for Team Tinker. All respect to Team Tinker. I say that because I'm about to get fucking mean. That's a team of rejects. Like, they're all good players, but they're all people who couldn't stick with a team. Team identity. And <laughs> But, like, last year he was he was kicking fucking ass at the International. That is what he was doing. He was in the Grand Finals. He was rocking shit and he's an incredible player and you go up to that player and you say you are on team tinker you are not doing as hot these days financially i'm gonna make some generalizations i have not seen his bank accounts but i assume team tinker is not rolling in dough and you say look at navi navi has not played nearly as well as you have in the last couple of years and yet they're not hurting for money at all and the reason that is, is because they have an identity and they sell merchandise. They have an identity, so people give is, a shit about them. 
Another reason that is, is that actually won a, uh, an international. Sure, sure. But, like, even, like, Cloud9 is not hurting for money. Cloud9, I love Cloud9. They're, they're, like, their entire team identity is like, we're the team where we go in and you don't know if this is going to be, like, the worst performance you have ever seen or if we are just going to stomp face. I watched a game in the Summit 3, and I saw Bone 7 pick up that Legion Commander, and I was like, oh god, oh god, and he was fucking amazing. He was fantastic. Like, whenever I see someone playing a hero that I feel like I know pretty well, like, say, an Earthshaker or a Legion Commander, I get critical to a point that is probably stupid because I don't play as well as them, and I was just sitting there, like, basically clapping the entire game. <laughs> he was doing great and just that that the pendulum swing on those guys is amazing and they have that identity and it it fucking gets them paid like yeah. if you approach black and you were like okay if you commit to a team and create an identity for that team you will get more money and i think that's the way maybe we will not get a players association but if you want people to stick to a team that is how you do it you explain to them that they will get more money well i think too Maybe this is idealistic, but I think it can be attractive to be on a team. So, uh, my partner's hockey team is the Leafs, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they haven't really won anything since the 60s. Like, they've just been really bad. The future's looking good, I'll say for any Leafs fans out there. They're so, so bad, and they've been so bad for so long. But players want to play there, and they make an incredible amount of money because they've got that strong identity, you know? So it doesn't even have to be, yeah, it doesn't have to be like, you'll win more, more tournaments. It's, I don't know. I like to think players would want to play there if there's a strong identity that's attractive and interesting and fans will care. Yeah, it's, 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 Navi is a team that takes pride in more than just its individual players. Mm -hmm. They take pride in the organization mm -hmm. and so few other teams have any concept of that. And I think if they got a taste of it, they would like it. I think, like, to get back to the Players Association idea, I think that will never happen with Dota, because eSports is, like, a sub-section of the whole... I, the whole... computer industry community. And, like, everyone in that... those entire communities just hate unions so much. Well, but I don't, I don't think it, like... I think the point of, of the discussion has been that that doesn't need to happen. Like, the Players Association is valuable to sports because of the structure that it causes. Yeah. And I think we can get that structure without the association. Probably. But even, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying I hope we can, because even if we needed it, we won't get it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Probably. like, video games need to sit badly and try telling that to, to any game developer. Well, and even if people, like, the internet community weren't generally against unions like it's crawling with scabs i mean there are so many dota players if you said like oh we're striking for a union you could fill any team immediately from just dota players who were really quite good even if not quite as good you know yeah mm. <sighs> well to me this feels like a pretty good stopping point for this week uh thank you so much for joining us Emily. thank you for having me on your podcast Indeed, like thank you for being here. Yeah, we'd like to do it again sometime. Sounds great. It was my pleasure. Uh, thanks so much to uh, Pomodi for the use of his uh, his new bloom 
music that we will be using here in the intro. And uh, if you want to follow Bottle Crow, we are at Bottle Crow on Twitter. You can email us at bottlecrowpodcast at gmail.com. I am at 6264. Johnny is at Johnny Warpzone. Uh, would you like to shout yourself out, Emily? Uh, I am at H-O-B underscore V-O-O-S-H-V-A-Z-O-O-L. Hob Vushbazool. On Twitter? On Twitter. All right. And, uh, yeah, that's all we have time for this week. But uh, don't forget to tell your friends and, uh, you know. Go easy on us. I've got some mean feedback recently. It makes me sad. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody, uh, and good night. Good night, everyone. <laughs>